0: Asset management—you're you're putting those numbers into life or mm-hmm. keeping them alive um, with your with your business plans and whatnot. But for sure, even like I tell my raisers, if anybody's like raising money, you need to be able to look at these numbers and and know what it's telling you. So, um, a lot of the times, I would be doing that in the middle of the night when the kids are asleep. Um, my mindset was, I have to make it work.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Syndicating Your Way to Wealth Show, the podcast that educates, inspires, and empowers you to build wealth through multifamily syndications. I'm Katie Cepeda.
2: Hello, I'm Yelfry De DeLeon, and we are very happy to have yet another amazing speaker on our show.
1: Yes, it's very exciting. Today's guest is a seasoned real estate professional with a passion for mentoring new investors. Her real estate journey began in house flipping. Today, she has renovated over $2 million in single family homes and has over $11 million in assets under management. She's a rising star in multifamily real estate, a mentor, a wife, and a mother of five children. Please welcome Kimberly McCall. Welcome, Kim.
2: Hello, Kim. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. So excited to be here with you guys
2: this evening.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you on the
2: show. All right, Kim. So uh, yeah, why don't we get right into it? Can you please share a little bit about your personal journey in real estate? How did you get started? Yeah, absolutely. So
0: it all began um, when we read Rich Dad, Poor you know, like everyone says it was that purple Bible in the beginning, and it sure was. It was for us. This was the first book that my husband and I both read. And he was like, he read it first, and he's like, you should really read this. It, it sounds amazing. And meanwhile, um, I think we probably had three kids then, um, maybe going on our fourth. We were a single-family income Um and then with all of our many children. So it all sparked when we realized like we need more income. So the the idea was we were going to to flip homes. I watched a little bit too much HGTV and a little too much Chip and JoJo. And <laughs> and so I know what I liked, but he um he was the the hands and and I was the all these ideas and um we didn't get a crew. We didn't, um we weren't one of those people that had a bunch of you know, people working for us. It was just us. It was him and me and our children. So we did the demo day and clean up and we would, we'd, you know, have people help us out here and there, but um, it's not that we didn't scale to the point of we're doing a hundred homes a year or anything like that. It was, so maybe we learned fast. We're, we're very fast learners because that was like it. the. Forty, which was really like sixty-hour work week on top of flipping. Um, my husband was almost working around the clock. He wow. lived off energy drinks. It um it it started to affect his heart, and so this is where like sometimes this part of the story doesn't get shared. Like he'll share my part of the story. Um, you know that I was having a baby and my my body was um, sick. I I don't know, it's called coleostasis. So I I was dealing with health issues um, in pregnancy, but he was dealing with heart issues because he's drinking so much um, energy drinks. And they said it's this AFib and you really need to slow down on that, or they might have to put some kind of a heart um, thing in. And he was like, still in his 20s then. Um, He's younger than I am. So it was like, what? Like, no way. So um, yeah, we, I realized like we cannot flip, we cannot flip anymore because it was, it was taking him away. It was taking
2: a toll on his health basically. Yes,
0: wow. Yes. Like, yeah. and that's the part. Yeah. Like I, I don't tell that part enough. That drove us to though. Like it drove me for sure. Like I need to research. I was researching multifamily education groups and I've went through a few. When you have a one-income home and one like and and, and many mouths to feed, like I didn't make that decision lately. So I was doing my research on education groups. um, and I remember coming across this one that was going to be in Seattle. um, And so we attended we definitely um, oh, we we chatted about this a little bit earlier. It's a part too, that I don't share. Um, it just doesn't come up in conversation. Like we went so all in, we we sold our home. Um, we moved into a, I think it's like a 26-foot <laughs> pull-along RV. Um, and we backed that sucker right up next to a flip we we're doing. Um, it's a really big flip. Oh. It wasn't a flip let's just be honest it was a complete remodel the only thing that was left was the exterior bricks like we completely gutted the hole inside and and so it was a, a long long process and um so we lived right next door to this flip we um yeah uh, another like there was like sacrifice and maybe we'll get into it later too but um i just remember like Our mindset was like, we are going all in and we bought into mentorship. I I believe in education. I believe of learning from other people's mistakes. And so we bought into mentorship too. And we we went to this three day and we heard a guy talking on stage and quoting the same books that I just read. And these mindset quotes of the people I just like, I just finished that book. And I was the only one in the cloud. Like, have you read this book? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Have you read this book? Like, yeah, yeah, I read that book. And, um, and I was like, this is what I'm looking for. Like, this is, these are the people with this mindset and these values and these, um, beliefs and this growth is what I was searching for. In addition to the multifamily,
2: because that
0: brings passive income that
2: we're, we're looking for. Yeah. Wow. This is very powerful, Kim. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, especially, and, you know, let me just recap some of what you mentioned here, because I think that is very important that our listeners listen to this, you know? So here is Kim, mother, uh, you know, of five kids. She is a wife. She is going, she and her family are going through some health issues, uh, But yet she needs to look for another way to make income because she can't just survive on a nine to five. And they decide to sell their home, basically live in a trailer for some time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that they can save some money and so that they can buy into this mentorship program that will teach her eventually, uh, you know, some real estate you know, material that she will eventually use to create her now successful business in real estate. That's, that's powerful. So yeah, you know, just to, just to uh, basically just put it out there that sometimes some people think like, oh, you know, I have limitations or, oh, I'm going to do this when I have money, when I don't have obstacles. But in fact, you have to make sacrifices in life to really, you know, make it out there. So you know, r- really excited, Kim, for you to be here. I know that this is gonna uh, bring a lot of valuable content to our listeners today, especially as it comes to, uh, you know, basically um, overcoming obstacles and and staying uh, focused on on your journey. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Thank you. I'm super honored.
1: Yeah, I want to piggyback off of what you were saying, Yelfri, in terms of you being a a mother, you know, you were a full-time mom, also a wife. I want to get into the state of mind where you were in, and I know you did say that you had that success mind, but how were you able to manage to basically build from scratch because now you're you're in a trailer and now you're looking for new work you're no longer doing flip now you're learning about multifamily. how are you able to balance being a mother being a wife and at the same time building that business and and managing all of that and juggling
0: all of that great question oh, that, that is such a great question that's a the question i get so much of. And maybe I should chat GPT, how to answer it like beautifully. (laughs) Uh I'm I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I really don't have an, I I just know the mindset was, I have to, like, I have to. When this was going on, we like COVID hit. And so they got, the the children got sent home. This was like at the height, right? So they, we had to um, distance learn the kids. And I remember, like, oh my God! Like, I I don't have patience to to be a teacher. Um. So bless their hearts, and we'll send chocolates at Christmas because <laughs> I I don't I don't like I I was trying to teach them like it, it came across like I'm a very much a sight reader. I don't know phonics and these traditional like rules of they They tried to tell me, and it's still in there and out the other like um, so I was like struggling I really was. I remember there was a table that had all their their school stuff and at the end was my business stuff and um and we had to it was our dining room table um and we had to I had to school them and I remember putting the babies to bed so I could underwrite. I knew it had to be done it that was definitely like drilled into me underwrite 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 know your numbers know your numbers know your numbers so i was like okay i need to know my numbers so i would make myself um property after property after property i would just practice underwriting um which which, to have
2: which is a very important skill to have, even if you are, you know, the asset manager within the business, you need to understand the numbers, right? In order for you to yeah. understand the business.
0: Yeah. Asset management, you're you're putting those numbers into life or mm-hmm. keeping them alive um, with your with your business plans and whatnot. But for sure, even like I tell my raisers, if anybody's like raising money, you need to be able to look at these numbers and, and know what it's telling you. So um, a lot of the times I would be doing that in the middle of the night when the kids were asleep. Um, my mindset was I have to make it work. So when we talked about those health problems and my, my husband was going through those heart problems, like it, it was very rare that we'd ever have a date night. And we did like, we, we took the kids to his mom's and we're going to go on the date night. he's like, I think I need to go. And this man will never go to the hospital. And he was like, I think I think something's wrong. Like, I think I need to go to the hospital. And sure enough, he was having some kind of like a heart thing. I remember him seeing him on that stretcher and knowing like, there is no other choice. Like I have to make this work. Um, he is working so much, so hard on multiple ends with his regular job, His are flipping. And so this, I told him, like, when we bought into it, and I was like, okay, I have to take charge of this. Like, I, I knew it going in because you already are, our plate is full. Like, I could do this from home. Um, and he's like, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll support you however I can. So um, I think my mindset was, it, it could be life and death, honestly. Like, That's for my exactly husband. what I was thinking. It's basically yeah. like. There was no, like, the like, there was out. no other Yes. So I don't know. Sometimes I tell people like your why needs to be a little bit stronger. Definitely. If you were to see your loved one on that stretcher, because I felt like honestly, sometimes I thought it it was me. Like I'm cracking the whip. Like we need to get this flip done. We need to get this flip done. Like, cause if anybody knows, even like we, we would uh, flip with uh, hard money lenders. So We're paying two mortgages, right? Like we're paying for like at that time in the beginning, it was like we're paying for a house, we're paying for the flip house. Like so we had to pay mortgage there, we have to pay, so we're paying double electricity bills, paying double water and trash and, and everything. So we're paying for two two homes. And so I was like, the faster we flip and the faster we sell, um, the faster I don't have to pay those bills. So yes, there was for me at that time, it was life and death. Um Right. So that was the motivation.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So when you mentioned paying for the two mortgages, so essentially, you know, you have a house that you need to flip. Basically, you know, you're getting a mortgage, uh, you know, while you fix it, do the renovations. But then on top of that, you also have your mortgage that you have to pay plus the electricity, water bills, and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you do that flip quick enough so that you don't have that double mortgage essentially and plus all of the other things that are going on in your life you know with health issues the five kids etc yeah. um, so definitely it's a lot
1: yeah and one thing that I can take away from what you said for those who who are basically in a place where they need that motivation or they want to know how can they juggle whatever it is that they're going through. I know every, every life is different, but basically how bad do you need it and how bad do you want it? And focus on your why. Is your why big enough?
2: Exactly. Exactly. We know personally, because we are part of the same network, we are part of the same mindset group. You are a coach mentor for rising real estate investors. Uh, can you expand a little bit more on your role? What what does it entail? What exactly do you do? And yeah, just tell us a little bit more about that.
0: I want to, to be able to share this with as many people as possible and let them know, you know, they can do it. And so I came on, as a coach my whole idea was to get on with the new investors and just keep encouraging them so i i really had taken on we we kind of advocate for doing what you what you love like what do you actually enjoy doing so i started taking over like the networking calls and um that's what we do for our investors that come on and they want to like maybe they're too, too shy to go out and network outside of our. So come here and come practice. And, and for me, when I started, although my husband was very supportive, I was still very much alone. Like I, when I had first started for the first year, I was alone. Like I didn't have um, partners. So when they started the networking call, I was like thrilled. I remember like that was still before and I didn't work. Like I put I put my face on, I was gonna, I was gonna get on camera and talk to people, right? Like like-minded again. This I, I found my tribe where people had the same values and people were reading the same books, right? So that was the people I wanted to talk to. I want to talk to like-minded individuals, people that are in this grind that, you know, are um and that was even before um coming from the student perspective. So now I get to be the one that's helping um run those calls. And so I I loved it, it became my baby. Um and then even then, from then it transpired into sponsor relationships and I bring that to the investors like, "Hey, I, that I think helped me. Like if I, when we, um, prepare ourselves to run with these high performers, like what can I do to make people better as well? So I'm going to help you guys learn how to work with these high performers. So when you get there, like, you can take off and you can run with them and they're not trying to walk with you or hold your hand or they're not trying to teach you any, like get that here, get that base here and let us teach you here. Then when you get here, you can run Um, soar. So um, that's what I do now. Um, Just like the networking with the sponsors. Those are the two calls that I just like, took on his mind, and I love him. Um, but meanwhile, I still do uh, accountability calls, any kind of mindset trainings that, you know, like people come to me off, oftentimes and like, Kim, hey, I, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what my skills are. So we talk about, you know, what is your background? What What do you enjoy doing and and things like that? So it's a lot of mindset coaching as well.
2: All right, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I guess we'll, we'll stay on this topic because there's a lot of things that you mentioned that, you know, we want to unpack for our listeners.
1: Since you work with new investors that are just starting out, what's a common challenge that you notice that these investors have? And what advice would you give them?
0: Oh, that's a good one. We get often too many times. It's always like, well, I don't have any real estate background. Um, I don't know, like, what to do. I've never done anything in real estate. And it's like, it's okay. It's perfectly okay. We all had to start somewhere. Mindset, for sure. Number one, mindset. Because that's what that is. Essentially, when you come in and say, I don't know, like, it's, it's your mindset. It's okay. Like, let's just get that in track. It's not that I don't know, I don't have any previous experiences. Like, okay, what can I learn right now? Having that growth mindset. Hmm. Yes. And the, the company I work for is like multifamily mindset. And the reason why I love that is because I want to learn all about multifamily. But this mindset piece is what I needed. Like that is what I needed. I was for the longest time. That was my story. I'm just a stay at home mom. I just, I just, I haven't worked for 11 years. Like, and that was my story. And I'd come up with these excuses like, oh, well, I don't know spreadsheets and I'm getting on and I'm trying to underwrite and I'm messing it up. And it was always user error every time the numbers are, I'm like, something's wrong with this spreadsheet. No, it was me. Um, But that's okay. Like again, that why, and if it's, if I'm looking at my why, like it's life or death, I will figure it out. I will figure it out. So it's like the mindset is the key that that we all just need. Like if you have this and you you can unlock that door, I promise you. So um, that is what I think a lot of people coming in are up against is just our own head trash and how to push past that. And if we know like there is something, if you can remember back, one of my favorite books that I read was Grit um by Angela Duckworth and she she talks about people that have an easy life and as soon as that they had everything so easy they're naturally talented or whatever and they and they go through life and they never hit any any roadblocks and they've never had a struggle then oftentimes when they are faced with that that roadblock they could they could quit but people that you know made it maybe had a harder life or harder like um education or um learning differences and they time after time from childhood into to you know not having to put extra reps on in in a sport or whatever it is and you come against these roadblocks time and time and you keep pushing past then you'll know that hey right now I'm getting into real estate. and I've never had that experience before, but I know I've been in a place before where I had to push through. So if you can just remember, like there was a time where I didn't learn how to walk. There was a time where my mom actually exactly. packed me. In. And, and now here we are and we're walking and we're running and we're having fun. Like, it's okay. You can like, you can do it.
2: I promise. So the biggest thing that we come across is is mindset. Staying on that same topic, um, you know, one of the challenges that we see from many people, uh, rising real estate investors, is like, oh man, how can I raise capital for that first deal? You know, do I come in as a GP on somebody else's deal? Do I raise capital for my own? I haven't had the experience. How do I do this? So, you know, my question for you is as a coach, as a mentor with the multifamily mindset, what advice do you give to rising real estate investors when they are struggling to you know find or raise that that first million or that first 500,000 for their first deal you know if there is mm-hmm. a checklist what would that checklist look like for raising capital
0: i have so many people coming into this to this network and they're like kim i know people with money like i know people with money i come from this industry and i'm surrounded by people with money so i i'm going to raise all this money and so I'm like, okay, and great. Shame on me. I should probably ask, well, how good of a relationship do you have with them right now? And maybe I should exactly. take them back to that because I think some people try to skip, they skip the whole they skip like, the do steps. I, yeah. Do I know you? Do I know what you're even looking for? Do I care about what you care about? Mm-hmm. So they go on, they're thinking, I have this opportunity for you. And it's like, whoa, what if they don't think it's an opportunity? So we have to know, so the list is, is simple. We have to know, well, what they care about, right? There's three questions I was taught to ask. You ask, what do you currently invest in? You ask, what's your risk tolerance and what are your goals? So when, Basically, the that goals piece to me is the most important part though. Because if you don't need so I needed cash flow, right? Like we needed another source of income, not just my husband. So knowing that, that's how I can approach them. Then I truly know this is an opportunity for you. But maybe they don't care about cash flow. Maybe exactly. they're in this high tax bracket. Maybe they're a business owner, or maybe they or a doctor, or some somebody that's up here that needs some tax benefits. Well, if I know exactly what you need, because that's what you care about, then
2: I, I know if this is an opportunity for you or not. Exactly. You know, I think that that's powerful, Kim, what you just mentioned, because you know, you have to know the deal structure. There are some deals that will work for some investors, and there are other deals that won't work for those same investors. For example, as you mentioned, you know, you have to first nurture that relationship with your investor. How, you know, how much do I know about them, their family, their situation? Uh, You know, what is it that they need? What are their goals? But then on top of that, you know, you have to know, okay, do they care about cash flow? Because if they do, then you want to make sure that you bring them a deal that cash flows, you know, a deal that uh, has 10, 12 percent cash on cash uh, or even more. Because this is something, you know, they care about that quarterly distribution, uh, you know, that they're going to get from the rents every three months. Uh, but if they are more like longer-term investors and they're more they're looking for like you know just the equity at the end, they may not care too much about cash flow. So you know it is okay to bring them a deal where they can just invest five hundred thousand dollars, a hundred a million dollars just to park their money in this real estate right? So that when they sell or when we sell the or disp- dispose of the property so that they can then benefit from from that equity distribution piece. So, you know, I think that this is very important to clarify for the listeners here and, you know, drive that point home. So, uh, so that's great. Thanks for sharing.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on that or was that all?
0: Oh gosh. Um yeah, biggest thing, make sure like even if you know all the people with all the money, it's I think like the the biggest thing is to take yourself out of the equation. Do you truly think this is an opportunity for them or is it an opportunity for you? That like cuz we go into this like I need that money because I want to be on GP cuz I'm trying to do a deal and What we have to back up and really realize, like, if this is an opportunity for them, like, that's where, like, then we can safely put them into somebody's deal. Like, I'm not trying to pressure them. I'm not trying to take their last um, dollar. I'm not trying to take their retirement. I'm not trying to just so I can get a piece of GP so I can get a deal. So the basic, like, if we completely, like, just really take ourselves and whether. So this is the question I've had to ask some people. If you were not getting GP for that deal, would you still put that investor in,
2: to it? That's a very good question.
0: So yeah. w- do you really know your investors? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Okay.
1: All right. So to wrap up, our last question is, is there any projects that you have coming up for you and your team?
0: Things are coming. I, I can't share yet. Okay. But- As far as keeping in touch, just social media, I'm probably the most active on Facebook. Um, I have an Instagram. Don't message me there because I never reply. (laughs) Um, I have a LinkedIn, and I I might look at that once a month, and I need to get better. I was told by very, very experienced capital raisers to get good at LinkedIn, Um, but it's something I haven't prioritized yet. So um, definitely Facebook Facebook. Okay, so Facebook is the the best way to
1: connect with you then. Yeah. And what's your Facebook? Can you let our listeners know how they
0: can find you there? Yes, it's Kimberly A. McCall, like A as an apple. Um, there's a lot of a lot of Kimberly's. I made sure to a lot of Kimberly McCalls. I made sure to verify it. I have okay. a blue check mark. Um, my kids think I'm a nerd for that, but I love it. Um, so <laughs> that's okay. You'll see my five kids. They're an asset.
2: Don't, don't let them play I, like- I love that, I love that.